Well, I'm excited to continue this conversation about taking ground that we've been in here these last few weeks and uh, encourage you, if you haven't been able to join us for some reason on the app, on the website, all those back conversations are there. And I think it'd be helpful. I think it'd be helpful in this weird and unique time that we live in and the, the pressures that that brings on us as human beings, as, as Christ followers, but even those of you who are not yet Christ followers, uh, the word of God and the truth of God is kind of helpful in all situations. And so maybe those conversations are a different perspective or a new perspective for you. And maybe through the app or the podcast or however you watch things, uh, it, it may be worth your time. Uh, this weekend, I want to continue this conversation about taking ground. How do we not just wait something out, but how do we move forward spiritually, especially during this time? And I want to I talk about and introduce this idea to you of integrity and how Christians or Christ followers would use that term and think about it. So here's some definitions up on the screen for you to just kind of work from. Integrity is this idea that the, it's the, the, de, the Webster's definition is the quality of being honest and having a strong moral principles and moral uprightness. It's the state of being whole and undivided. That's how Webster would define it. So it's the quality of being honest, strong moral principles, moral uprightness, the state of being whole and undivided. Now, the way that Christ followers would generally take that word and that concept and the way that we would often talk about it is kind of in terms that would describe the, the credibility or the completeness of our adherence to our Christian beliefs, where we would say, we want you to be a person of integrity, a woman of integrity, a man of integrity. We want you to be true to what you say you believe as a Christ follower. We want the, the message of your life to be whole and complete. We want you to, to not have like a double-sidedness or a hypocrisy, right? And so we want to have integrity in all those things. So we would kind of use phrases like this. Uh, we'd say things like, you should practice what you preach. Uh, we should say that, we would say things like describing a person. We'd say, man, when times got tough, their faith held, like they still did what they said they, they believed in, even though it was difficult to do it. We might even say they're a person of their word. You can trust their integrity. And it's, it's this idea that, that they are whole and undivided, that they are the same person privately as they are publicly, right? They're the same person inside church, outside of church. Uh, when they say something, they mean it, and you can trust it, and you can trust their decisions and their morality and their, 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 uh, their righteousness, and you can trust their integrity. So this is a big thing because when we talk about integrity, in times when we are pressed, in times when we are stressed, in times that we are tired, is this happening for anybody right now? <laughs> I, I know it is in my life. I am stressed, like I am pressed. 
and I am super tired right now. So in those kind of times, when that's kind of the, the, the predominant thing that's happening in our circumstances, this is where integrity kind of bubbles up or it becomes a conversation for, for us. So during those times, the people who are able to keep their integrity or hold their integrity or live by integrity, what happens is the credibility of their life's message is amplified. So when, when difficult things are happening and they are still whole and complete, and they hold on to their morality, and they keep pursuing their, their righteousness. They stay, sometimes we would say, like, they stay Christ-like no matter what. The message of their life is amplified, and it would give more credibility and more weight to what they say. Um, I had a friend who went to be with the Lord several years ago, and she had cancer, and we came up with this little term between her and I. We'd say, everybody listens to the girl with cancer. Well, why? Well, in part, because her integrity stayed intact. She never forsook the Lord. She didn't become bitter. She didn't become angry. She didn't lash out at everybody. She didn't throw off her belief system and run wild. Because her integrity stayed intact, when she was pressed or stressed and tired, the message of her life and her beliefs were amplified, right? Now, the opposite is true. When we lose our integrity or compromise our integrity during those times, the message of our life is also amplified. The, the weakness of our faith would be amplified. The the lack of consistency or incongruity of our faith would be amplified. The duplicity of our life would be amplified. Man, that guy said that he trusted God and then he didn't know what to do and he threw God out the window. Uh, that person said they believed in these things, but when push came to shove, they didn't hold to those things at all. And so that's what happens in times of stress like we are living in, in times of pressure that we are living in. And if it's not the coronavirus, it's something else, right? These things come into our lives. When we're tired, integrity either amplifies the message of our life or it amplifies and discredits that message if we lose our integrity. And we've all seen this happen, right? We've all had a boss somewhere that always was preaching teamwork, and when things got tough, became very selfish and self-centered. Uh, we have, we've been in relationships where promises have been broken, marriage vows, promises of friendship, and, and then things got difficult and stressed, and they, they totally turned on those things. Uh, all of us at least would know stories, if not the person, like a pastor, who would say, this is what the Bible says, this is what God would say, and then you find out that person is unfaithful or untrue or hypocritical because their integrity gave way. Uh, I, I read a, um, a news article, I think last week, about a politician who ordered a stay-at-home mandate 
where everybody was quarantined, but he and his family got caught going to the beach, right? And, and we all would look at something like that and say, what in the world, right? Where's your integrity and the opportunity to amplify life's message or to discredit life's message is often tied to our integrity. As I was looking about this and thinking about it, um, one of the great examples of integrity in the Bible is the prophet Daniel. And so in the Old Testament, uh, I want to kind of introduce you to, to Daniel. He's got his own book of the Bible, so you can search that or look it up real quick. And I'm not going to teach you every part of Daniel, but I want you to see his integrity and how God used that and used it in powerful ways as it was exposed, right? As the message of his life was amplified, even though the opportunity to discredit his belief in God was there as well. Daniel's integrity, God used it in this powerful way. So Daniel is one of the leaders of the Old Testament. Uh, just a little bit of his backstory. Daniel was actually uh, a part of a conquered people. So there's a a major city that's all throughout the Bible, still exists today, called Jerusalem. And there was a kingdom called Babylon. Babylon came and conquered Jerusalem. What they did was fairly customary in the ancient world. They would find the best and the brightest of like the, the people that they conquered, and they would kidnap them. So Daniel was one of those people. Him and three other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, would have been all kidnapped from Jerusalem, taken back to Babylon. They were raised in the Babylonian culture. They were educated in Babylonian schools. And then ultimately, they, they were to serve the Babylonian king. And so that's kind of Daniel's backstory a little bit. He had done that. And at this point where we're going to pick this up, which is in Daniel chapter 6, he had actually done that for most of his life. He had served several Babylonian kings. In Daniel chapter 6, he's getting kind of near the end of his career. And at the end of his career, he's serving a king named Darius. And Darius had just come to power. There was like a coup, and Darius came to power. And when he came to power, he brought his cronies with him. But Daniel was so well thought of and so trusted and so capable at his job that Darius held him over. And so Daniel and like the, the leaders of the rebellion, so to say, made up the new government and Darius was their, their king. The, the cronies that Darius brought with him were very jealous of Daniel. So they didn't, they didn't trust his influence they didn't like how Darius trusted him so much. Think of a presidential regime change, you know, an election, the old administration. There's going to be suspicion from the new one. Well, in the ancient world, that would have been amplified dramatically, and that was happening to Daniel. In the ancient world, the crony's solution to that was, how do we kill Daniel? How do we get rid of him and get him out of power? So they're scheming about that. And they're thinking about how they can have him removed. But they ran into a problem with Daniel. And the problem that they ran into was Daniel's integrity. 
and they couldn't move past or get around his integrity. Daniel chapter 6, verse 48, the Bible says they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Just think about the power of that statement. Uh, a guy who has literally spent his working life in government, a guy who is a foreigner, he's a captive. He's not in Babylon because he wanted to go there. He's stuck there, but he decided along the way, and when you read the first part of Daniel, you'll see even more of it, that he was not going to compromise his testimony. He was not going to compromise his relationship with God. He was going to be a person of integrity. And so they're trying to overthrow him. They can't find any dirt on the guy because he was not corrupt and he was not negligent. He was being honest and he was doing the very best he could do in the situation that he was in. So they had to figure something out. So they schemed against him. And the way that they schemed against him was they actually targeted what they knew was a non-negotiable in Daniel's life. And that was actually his relationship and his devotion to God. So Daniel chapter six goes on. They said this, these are their words about Daniel. They said, we'll never find uh, any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Because Daniel had made a decision somewhere in his life, and he had decided that regardless of circumstances, regardless of injustices, regardless of hardships, he was going to trust the sovereignty of God and he was going to allow God to use him in any way that he chose to use him. And he was going to have integrity in that, that he was going to be a guy who was whole and a guy who was undivided. And he was going to honor what God wanted of him. Today, in the New Testament phase of the Bible, we would say, he was going to honor Christ and he was going to follow and honor and yield to God's word regardless of what he was going through. And these cronies who were after Daniel knew that the only way that they could ever get him was if they could somehow scheme and trap him into not disobeying God's word. That's a pretty complicated problem. How do we get a guy of integrity how do we get rid of him or get him in trouble when we know he won't compromise? And they came up with what on the surface was a pretty ingenious plan. They go to King Darius and they say to King Darius, hey, king, you're the best. You're awesome. They play to his ego. They manipulate him. And they say, you're so amazing. You're so awesome. You're so wise. You know what we should do? We should create a law that says you have to be worshiped. And for 30 days, nobody's allowed to worship or pray to anybody but you. We should deify you, King Darius. 
King Darius, being an egotistical guy, was like, I like that law. So he signed that into law because they knew if they could trap Daniel there, Daniel would never worship another God besides the one true God. He would never pray to another God beside the one true God because he was such a man of spiritual and relational integrity that only if they could trap him in his integrity could they get him to go against the laws of the land. And so that is exactly what they did. The law comes out. Daniel is unwilling to compromise. And so what he did was what he always did. Verse 10, chapter 6 of Daniel. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he had done before. I want you to capture that. All the circumstances changed, but Daniel didn't. All the, all the cultural pressures adjusted and moved, but Daniel would not adjust and move. He wasn't being stubborn. He wasn't even being rebellious. He was being whole and complete. He, he was being a person of integrity. Outside circumstances are not going to define my relationship with God. Uh, cultural changes are not going to redefine for me what is true. Shifting in morality is not going to alter for me the definitions of what is right and what is wrong. And just because you say I have to pray to you, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not really trying to puff my chest out and be a rebel. I can't do that. I would compromise my righteousness, my honesty, my integrity. So Daniel's response to his changing circumstances was not to respond. I am who God wants me to be. I am doing what God wants me to do. I am living the life God calls me to live, and I am going to operate in integrity regardless of all these external forces at work within me. Daniel does it. The guys trap him, and they go and they report to the king. King, somebody broke your law. Who is it? It's your favorite guy, Daniel. What did he do? He prayed to his God instead of you. And so the king is now trapped. He has to enforce his own law and the punishment for not worshiping him instead of worshiping the one true God was death. And in this part of the ancient world, how they would often execute people is they would throw you into a den of lions. They would go out and trap lions. They would put them down into a cave and seal it. They would feed those lions to keep them alive, but not to keep them satisfied. And when they wanted to execute you and your family, they would throw you in there and you would be ripped from that to shreds by the lions. This is Daniel's fate. The king has to sentence him to the lion's den by his own law. The king is sick about it. 
He feels terrible about it. He can't sleep that night, but he throws Daniel into the lion's den. He seals it off and then stays up all night worrying about what would happen to Daniel in the lion's den. In verse 19 of chapter 6, the Bible says this, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, that was a shocker because everybody thought he would be dead. He answered, may the king live forever. Here it is. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overwhelmed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted God. Daniel was able to look at God and say, I, I did not lose or compromise or surrender my integrity before the Lord. I wasn't trying to have an attitude. I wasn't being rebellious. I wasn't being a jerk. I was being faithful to my God. And oh, by the way, King, I didn't lose my integrity before you either. I never cursed you. I never cheated you. I never tried to get even with you. I never lashed out at you. I am innocent before God and I'm innocent before you. And that was kind of good enough for King Darius. And he lifted Daniel out of the lion's den and Daniel survived it, right? Now, I want you to catch this. This is all an outplay of Daniel's integrity. And I, I, I just want you to think for a second about the myriad of decisions and choices that Daniel had along the way. Because all he had to do one time was give up his integrity and he wouldn't go to the lion's den. Just, just once, just fudge on it a little bit. And you're not in the life and death situation that he was in. All he had to do was pray in a different room. All he had to do was, I mean, good night. If you prayed to God three times a day for 11 months, all you got to do is take a month off. See? His ability to avoid the lion's den was massive, but he couldn't and he wouldn't because he knew that if, if just this one time, right, or if he came to the decision where he just said, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, come on. It's just, it's just prayer, it's not like I'm smoking, drinking, chewing, dating girls to do and cheering for Michigan. It's just prayer, right? Or what if, what if this bitterness got a hold of him? I've been stuck in Babylon. For, for how long have I been stuck in Babylon? And how many times? I got drug over here. I, I had a chance to eat food offered to idols. I didn't do that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a chance to bow down and worship a false idol. They didn't do that, and Daniel wouldn't have done it either. I have really done well. I am sick of it. My life has been so messed up, and it is so unfair, and it's so ridiculous. I feel like I deserve this one. See? 
all Daniel had to do one time was compromise or surrender his integrity, and he would have spent the night in the palace instead of the lion's den. And in our way of thinking, at least in mine, he kind of had every right to do that. I mean, isn't, isn't there kind of a point where you feel like God's ask enough or this is draw, drug out long enough? One time, if he surrenders, if he bails, if he compromises, he sleeps in the palace instead of the lion's den. Guys, we live in a culture that values the palace. They tell us to go for the palace. The palace is the place of abundance. In fact, if you listen to the right pastor or teacher, they'll tell you that what God wants for you is the palace. God's not even really with you unless you're in the palace. We're taught to go for the palace. It's the place of abundance. It's a place of prosperity. The evidence of God being with you and working in your life is you spending the night in the palace. That's how you know you arrived. See? It's a place of abundance and prosperity. It's a place of power. I mean, maybe Daniel shouldn't have compromised his relationship with the king. Because if you really want to change the world, you got to be in with the king, see? It's the place of control. As you get thrown a lion's den, you're kind of out of your own control. But in the palace, you kind of manage your life and you can manipulate it. It's the place of ease. That my life is normal, simple, easy, functional in the palace. In all Daniel had to do was compromise his integrity and he spends the night in the palace. I want you to catch this. Ready? Look at me. Click off the other app and look at me. Ready? <laughs> Ready? All he had to do is compromise his integrity, spend the night in the palace. Ready? But God was in the lion's den. Did you catch that? God wasn't in the palace. God was in the lion's den. And somewhere Daniel said, I feel safer with my God than I do my government. I'd rather be with the king of kings than the king of Babylon. God was in the lion's den and Daniel knew that the place to be, the place of safety the place of real prosperity was the lion's den, not the palace. But it was the opposite of what everyone around him would have said, would have valued, and would have taught. And his integrity, ready, led him away from the palace, but put him in the presence of God. 
Somewhere along the line, Daniel had to make a fundamental choice and answer a fundamental question. Would he rather serve the king that owns the den or the God who rules the lions? And he chose the God that rules the lions. And the fundamental foundational issue of his life was that I'm going to walk with the God that rules the lions. You can have the den, but the God who rules the lions is greater than the king who owns the den. In fact, Daniel would say, I've been through a bunch of them. There was this king, there was Nebuchadnezzar, and then there was this one, and then there was Belshazzar, and now there's Darius, and there'll be another one. But the God who rules the lions, he's been the constant one. He's been the figure. He's the eternal one. He's the one that I will trust. He's the one that I will follow. And his word and his calling and his purpose is the point in my life where I will not compromise. And Daniel's integrity, Daniel's integrity amplified the message of his life and the message of his life was the greatness and the power and the wonder and the salvation of his God. Look at what Darius says about Daniel's God. Verse 26, he says, I'm putting out a decree to every part of my kingdom that people must fear and revere the God of Daniel. Here, this is Darius now, the, the king who threw him in alliance. This is a secular non-Christ following, didn't know the Bible, king. And this is the conclusion that he drew from Daniel's act of integrity. He says this about God, for his God, for he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. What did God use to teach Darius that truth? He used Daniel's integrity. What did God use to spark a national revival? Okay, the king is telling us his religious beliefs. What did God use? He used Daniel's integrity. What was the most powerful platform of Daniel's life? It wasn't a pulpit, and it wasn't social media, and it wasn't his job. The most powerful platform for the message of Daniel's life was his integrity. And what God did through his integrity, when Daniel was stressed and pressed and sick of it and exhausted, and frustrated, and when his integrity was revealed, his honesty, his truth, his righteousness, it was found to be whole and undivided. I will worship the one true God. I will follow the one true God. I will yield to the calling and the directives of the one true God. I will do that publicly, and I will do that privately. And God used his integrity. Okay. Guys, listen. This is a big deal right now. 
it's a big deal because in an age where we're by ourselves all the time, where that's where our government wants us, that's what the health professionals, this is where we're at. We're by ourselves all the time. There is no facade to put on. We don't even do our hair and shave and change out of our sweats half the time. There is no facade to put on. There is no act this way at church and this way at home, act this way publicly, act this way privately, because there is very little public. So in a time when we're by ourselves all the time, when we're working from home and accounting for those hours that can't really be checked, when we're doing school from home and the teacher, there's no way for the teacher to know if I'm Googling the answers to the test or not. They can't see me. When I'm home alone with the internet and what I do and what I look for and what I participate in, nobody's going to know. Nobody's really asking me the question. When I'm alone in my own thoughts and the attitudes of my heart and my feelings about the authority around me and my feelings about those who aren't doing what I think they should do. In a time when we are by ourselves most of the time, integrity rushes to the forefront. A couple weeks ago, I gave you this phrase. I said, never underestimate the power of simply living the Christian life. And then last weekend, I gave you this phrase, never underestimate the greatness of faithfulness. And this week, I want to give you this phrase, never underestimate the influence of integrity. Integrity is a platform that we can stand on. It amplifies the message of Christ in our life. It amplifies the attractiveness of Christ in our life. It amplifies the power of Jesus to change us to be a different person. Integrity amplifies all of that. It, it influences it. It's a platform that God will use sometimes in absolutely incredible ways. And why it's hard and where it becomes difficult and what the temptation is, is that if I just let it go this one time, I can spend the night in the palace. And the fundamental question that Daniel wrestled with is the one that we have to. Do I serve the king that owns the den? Or do I serve the king that has power over the lions? And when we rest in that, when we pre-decide that that is who we are going to be, God will leverage the influence of our integrity. It will cause us to stand out in incredible ways in the world that we live in right now. And it will draw attention 
and affection and fame to Christ as he transforms and changes us. The one who is honest, the one who has strong moral principles, the one who is morally upright, who is whole and undivided, that person is an instrument in the hands of a powerful God that he will use to broadcast the message of his love. Never underestimate the influence of integrity. All right, would you pray with me? Jesus, love you. Help us with all of this, Lord. I think integrity is more of a habit than anything else. And so through your leading Holy Spirit, would you show us, would you help us, would you move us? Jesus, where we have failed, where we have sinned, in this moment, would you help us to confess that? We know that you're faithful and that you'll cleanse us of our unrighteousness. God, in areas where we struggle with our integrity, would you bolster us and strengthen us? And God, help us, help us to lean in to biblical community and lean into our friends, to send the text, to make the phone call, to, to join the group on Zoom. Lord, help us to take advantage of the resource that is your people. And Lord, to, to lean into that and not just easily and passively let go of what you've built up in us. Help us to resist the temptation of the palace and to embrace your presence in the lion's den. Jesus, help us to become people and to remain people of integrity. Guide us that way this week. It's in your name we pray. Amen.